Next on BYUSN, it's time for a positive-negative Friday. What positives and negatives are we taking from BYU's heartbreaking one-point loss in basketball to Gonzaga? Gonzaga beat BYU by 33 at the Mary Center last year. So after last night's nail-biter, what do we think of the Cougars moving forward? Well, it's better than losing by 33, I can tell you that much. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store on a Moral Victory Friday. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, our friends at the BYU Store, we appreciate them. It is January 13th. I am Spencer Linton. He is Dave McCann. And it's hard not to just feel like, yeah. after last night's results. Sun came up today. It did. It did come it up. Did. I wasn't quite sure it would, and then it came up. <laughs> Uh, this is group therapy today, right now. It is group therapy, and we have a lot of those group therapy sessions. I know. Uh, but so does everybody. You know, so does everybody. And so we're in one today, and, and we've got a lot of thoughts to share. And, and you, know, you know what? The sky isn't falling, yeah. although uh, one big shot didn't fall last night. And that's the difference between being the story yeah. today or being the, the story is Gonzaga managed to get another one on the road in a tight setting. It probably means more for BYU in a positive way moving forward, but, but right now we're still kind of bugged. What could have been? Former BYU basketball coach Dave Rose uh, was at the game and uh, had a chance to speak with him. He's doing well, by the way. Fantastic yeah. news. And he said, you know, in, in a roundabout way, sometimes it's just hard to be a Cougar, okay? <laughs> and I said, you know, I'm with you, coach, on that. But that doesn't mean that we won't show up today ready to deliver another show. Absolutely, and we've got a good one today. Here's the lineup for our Friday. There's going to be no moon over Miami for BYU footballs. The Cougars and Canes canceled that future football series. Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl is going to join us ahead of Jaron Hall, Puka Nakua, and Blake Freeland getting ready for their last college football game. And we're going to hear from Gideon George in the wake of last night's wild finish at the Marriott Center. That's all straight ahead. First, here are the headlines. If you missed it, BYU men's basketball loses an absolute heartbreaker. Gut punched at home against number eight Gonzaga, 75-74. A late Julian Strother three-pointer, the difference. Spencer Johnson led BYU with 18 points, tying his career high. BYU has a bounce back opportunity against Pepperdine tomorrow night in the Marriott Center, 9 Eastern. You can watch it unfold live on BYU TV. The BYU women defeat LMU in LA 63-46 uh, for their fifth straight win. Lauren Gustin, 11 points, 24 rebounds. It's the second straight game where she out-rebounded the other team <laughs> by herself. Cougars play at Pepperdine tomorrow at 5 Eastern. Boy, great weekend in Malibu. The women led that game 34-5 at one point, by the way. 34-5. I think they've turned a corner. On to Cougars in the NFL. It's wild card weekend. Fred Warner and the San Francisco 49ers, they've been red hot. They take on the Seattle Seahawks, who just snuck into the playoffs. Saturday, 4.30 Eastern kick there. Niners a 10-point favorite that game. Kyle Van Noy, Michael Davis, and the Chargers will head to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars Saturday, 8.15 Eastern. Then Kyrus Tonga and the Minnesota Vikings earn a spot to face the New York Giants Sunday at 4.30 Eastern. We wish them all the best. It's the best of Utah tonight. Fourth annual gymnastics meet. It'll bring Utah, BYU, Utah State, and Southern Utah together at the Maverick Center. BYU TV's live coverage starts at 9 Eastern with Spencer. Is there anything you don't do? Well, you know, I'm... Mikkel Merkley is going to help him out on well, the call. She carries, she carries the... I don't doubt that at all. I do not doubt that at all. <laughs> 
Some indoor track and field news. Two-time All-American Dallin Vorkink uh, took first place in the shot put event. Maddie Eaton and Tori Lord both set personal bests in the pentathlon. Events continue Friday through Saturday at the Smith Fieldhouse. Tennis anyone, Bobo Huang is named to the All-WCC women's team in the preseason. She's that good. She's the first Cougar to make it since 2017. Wow. BYU opens the season January 27th at Weber State. BYU football has canceled a home-and-home -home series with the University of Miami. Kind of a bummer. I was looking forward to that one, but it is what it is to go to the Big 12. In 2026 and 2028, those games now leave the schedule. That leaves on the 2026 schedule Utah Tech, Arizona, USF all at home and at Utah in non-conference. In 2028, BYU has a road game at Utah and a home game against Ole Miss still on the schedule. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Yeah, that expression from Mark Pope pretty much sums it up. Hands on the head. Yikes. Incredible atmosphere last night at the Marriott Center. Big time electricity, big time shot making, and two teams going absolutely toe to toe in what is the final West Coast Conference showdown for Gonzaga and BYU at the Marriott Center. The Zags win 75-74 because it's what they do. They take it from you if you do not take it from them. Dave, as you look back at the game as a whole, what are the positives you're going to take away from a heartbreaking loss and, of course, the negatives that always come with a setback? Well, we feel negative because no one likes to lose. Uh, but over the scope of that night, it was so entertaining. And, and aren't we in this kind of to be entertained? Absolutely. Uh, there, there was a moment in that first half where the Zags are up eight, and you're thinking, they're going to blow us out. Or a couple baskets from losing this all together. And BYU climbs in it. Then with six and a half minutes to go, BYU's ahead by 10. And then with nine seconds to go, BYU has the ball with a chance to shoot and win the game. All of this over a two-hour period uh, on national TV. And uh, from the entertaining side of it, what, a, what an awesome night. The ending was not great for the home team. But man, for two hours, you're on the edge of your seat. Can you ask for anything more than that? At, outside of a better finish uh, and a precursor of, of what's to come in the Big 12. So you just sit there and kind of take it in and go, well, this was kind of a, this was awesome. It was an awesome night uh, with a bummer of a finish. Yeah, it was fantastic for 39 and a half minutes if you're a BYU fan, yeah. right? Yeah, out of your mind type stuff. And agonizing for Gonzaga fans yeah. for much of the second half, which is a position that they have been in. Over the last three games they have played, but they have won them all. They survived San Francisco, survived Santa Clara, and now the Zags have survived BYU. And once again, they're alone with St. Mary's uh, clipping at their heels atop the West Coast Conference standings. So I'm with you. It's tough to be like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm feeling good after that. No, because you, you see what could have been for yeah. BYU. We could have been here talking about, Okay, BYU just beat Gonzaga. Tack that on to wins against Creighton, Utah, and Dayton. Their resume is now getting to the bubbly part yeah, of the Saint NCAA Mary's tournament. St. Mary's two weeks away. St. Mary's is coming to Provo. Yeah. BYU has now won nine of the last ten games. 
it's just a totally different rhetoric because of one point and one shot, which it, it just can, it can drive you crazy for sure. But uh, I did take a, a lot of uh, positive from BYU's guard play being better. We asked for it yesterday. We said the guard play's got to be better. BYU's got to shoot the ball better. They made 13 three-pointers. BYU's got to take care of the ball better. We thought that they were doing that for about 38 and a half minutes, and then it got dicey again in the last 90 seconds, which is where they have struggled. So while I loved what BYU did with the guard play and the shot making and big shot making from Gideon George and Spencer Johnson and Jackson Robinson, I mean, he took some deep threes and right. made those shots. And Place going bananas. Well, it was crazy. It was incredible. One of those unforgettable nights outside of the result. Uh, so I, I like what BYU's guards did a lot. Um, and the three-point shooting was, was certainly an uptick, but, I mean, my first negative is probably taking care of the ball in crunch time. Throwing an inbounds pass. Yeah. And every one of those just feels like, and the, even the ones they got in was like, whew, you know, it's a, how routine is, is an inbounds pass? We see them working on it in practice. We know they do. But I think we're in the middle of a scientific case study of pressure and how to handle it and what pressure does to a team and what a team with experience does when pressure comes, and what a team that doesn't have experience does when pressure comes. We've seen it a couple of times during the course of the season. The Creighton game was a big case study, but BYU was able to get a basket at the end, like, like last night would have bailed them out of a, of, a, of a major collapse with a shot at the end that sure. they didn't get. But this case study we're seeing is interesting because you can't become an experienced team without going through experience. And, and a lot of us want this BYU team to come out and just be experienced. Be like Drew Timmy, who's played in like 150 games. <laughs> Why isn't he panicking at the end? Because he just doesn't. They've been he here so to, many times. But he doesn't now. And I think back, driving in, I was thinking about it. Uh, remember when Zach Wilson uh, ran the ball to the end zone against Hawaii and did some helicopter jump, whatever, and fumbled? Yeah. We lost the game? No end zone camera. Did you notice he's never done that before or, or since? He hasn't done it since because he learned this is what can happen. Tough lesson. Um, Ty Detmer threw four picks in the second half in his debut at Wyoming. And we're all ready to go. Is there another quarterback? Is there another quarterback? But, but they were allowed to develop and look, and look what they – and there's a million case studies like that. BYU has got to be allowed the space to become experienced. And you only become experienced through highs and lows. Last night was a low. But next year – when Kansas is here and Jacob Robinson's got the ball to throw it in with 30 seconds left, maybe he does it differently because of what he experienced last night. Or, or Dallin Hall or Richie Saunders or Noah Waterman, who've never been an experience in their life in the Marriott Center, sold out sure. on ESPN against the eighth-ranked team in the country. So we expected them to act normal in an abnormal setting, which they have no experience to do. Sure. And I think that's kind of where our disappointment lies is, why weren't you better? Based on what? Yeah. You just don't have very many close game experiences to draw from. Certainly not in that type of environment and not against the number eight team in the country. I mean, there's, their, their peers at class were ready to storm the floor. You could feel the last two minutes were like, BYU was up seven with three minutes to go. This. Please don't lose this. I Somebody know. help us. I know. And then, and, then, and then they lost it. Here's what I hate about this. Jackson Robinson played – he's on pace to play his best game, right? right? Mm -hmm. And he, this is his breakthrough. He's at times struggled with his confidence and his shot. 
He found it last night, but he's going to relive again and again and again in his mind the last two minutes of that game. The inbounds pass, which gives up a three, and then he has the opportunity to put BYU up three at the free throw line. And I loved what he did. You could read his lips on the broadcast. So everybody to get back. said, I got this. I got this. I love that mentality. And he makes the first. And I love that he was expecting to make the second. It was a little bit long. And then it's just chaos, right? Because you're under 20 seconds. You're up two. But everyone's like thinking, you know, with hindsight or 2020 hindsight, well, the one thing you can't do is give up a three. But what you don't realize is everything is happening so fast. You're not on the floor. Drew Timmy comes down and sets kind of a soft screen. And so everyone's, you know, it's easy for me to say, well, the one thing you, do, you don't want to do is go underneath the screen. You don't want to let Gonzaga's best three-point shooter have an open look. But I don't think anybody on the floor, including Gonzaga, thought that Julian Strother was going to take that shot. Yeah. And to his credit, he took it and he made it. And so, that was Jackson's guy. Yes. Just, he's going re- to relive that. The turnover, the results in a three, the missed free throw, and then it's his man that hits the game-winning shot. That's why I'm so interested to see how he responds against Pepper yes. tomorrow night. Because Jackson Robinson, who went to Texas A&M, didn't play, went to Arkansas, a highly touted kid coming out of high school, didn't play much at Arkansas at all. He's played more at BYU than he's played since his senior year of high school when he was a four-star type guy. Uh, Jackson Robinson is a big 12 type talent. Yes. As he develops. So after last night, today's a very important day in, in his world of basketball and practice. What he does tomorrow night and moving forward, he has an opportunity to say, I'm getting better. I'm getting more experienced. I'm going to be a guy you can count on in the big 12. Um, it's kind of teetering on, is he going to take that step or is he going to take a step back? We'll find out tomorrow night. I think tomorrow night's a very important game in his career. As much as it hurts to lose this game as a team, there is a belief that BYU is close to a breakthrough. And everybody that I talked to last night on that roster said the same thing. Dallin Hall, Spencer Johnson, talked with Foos, talked with Gideon George. They were all absolutely deflated. But there's a common belief now, we're so close to the breakthrough. And they feel like they're continuing to get better. And I think it's obvious to see that this team is learning and growing, albeit it is super painful sometimes. And some lessons stink a lot worse than others. And here comes one of the worst teams in the league, Saturday night. Got to take Two care of business. you played the best Yes, team in the you got to take care of business. So our second topic we want to think about today is uh, do you feel better or worse about the direction of BYU <laughs> basketball after last night? It hasn't been long enough for me to start to like turn the page and say, yeah, I feel, I feel better. Sometimes therapy requires time. Yes. Give me a couple of days. Give me BYU taking care of business against Pepperdine and then maybe even going on the road in what is going to be a tricky road swing yep. at San Francisco and at Santa Clara. That is super tough. And then you're home for St. Mary's. Yes. I mean, the whole how the WCC is going to go is riding on the next four games for BYU. How, do, how does BYU respond? So if BYU can bounce back and look sharp against Pepperdine and then go on the road, win that Thursday game, then it's like, okay, they did learn some things from that Gonzaga scenario. BYU is getting better. The trajectory is continuing in the right direction. But it's too soon for me to say, like, yeah, I feel better about BYU basketball after ugh, losing again and – seeing some of the same things that have really troubled BYU in previous games, which is turnovers in critical scenarios down the stretch and 
not being able to inbound the ball with full court pressure on. Yeah. Like those things are still concerning. And fr- frankly, free throw shooting, Dave, overall, not just Jackson Robinson's missed free throw in the late moments. Yeah, were five of 10 last night. In a one point game. Yeah. Like, make one of those, right? Shoot 60% as a team from the free throw line. And now you're tied instead of down one. I don't think it's too much to ask this BYU team with their shooters as a team to be 65%, even 70% or better from the free throw line. But 5 of 10 is not going to get it done. It doesn't just come down to Jackson's miss. There were several critical misses in the second half before that. I think uh, one thing I've noticed is that BYU plays better defense. They are a better defensive team this year than they were last year. For example, Gonzaga beat BYU by 33 last year on their home floor. Sure, sure. Last night they beat them by one. Is Gonzaga that far off from where they were last year? They were number two last year. They're number eight this year uh, in the polls. They're a different team for sure, but for 30, 32 points difference. BYU is playing better defense. Defense gives you a chance. The foundation of the defense they're playing they can take to the Big 12. It's almost opposite of football. We go, okay, BYU's going to the Big 12. they got to score 50 points a game, <laughs> which, which is probably true. Uh, but in basketball, it's BYU's got to play defense. Defense travels. If we've learned anything from San Diego State over the years is that tough, hard-nosed defense and rebounding. And up, up until last night, BYU has been a really good rebounding team. It gives you a chance to be in the game with a chance to win the game. And then as you grow in experience, you start winning those kind of games. Defense last night held, uh, I think Gonzaga shot, what, 34% in the second half? Yeah, BYU for the game outshot Gonzaga, and that does not happen often. No. They outshot Gonzaga 46% to 44%. Those are approximate uh, percentages. And even Mark Few commented on BYU's defense after the game. Yes. Gave them all kinds of trouble. Specifically in the second half. I'm not going to lie, I was a little concerned in the first half because Gonzaga, when they went on their few runs in the first half, they're having their way inside with yeah. BYU's bigs against Atiki Ali Atiki and Noah Waterman. Just having their way. BYU did some things at halftime. They adjusted and couple that with making three-point shots. Now BYU's up 10, and Gonzaga was rushing, and it was, it was interesting to see the Zags in a unique position, right? Yeah. They, they were the ones that were flustered, and BYU did that. And so I'm, I agree with you. The defense, it's better. It's better. You combine that with shot-making, and if you can just take care of the ball a little bit better – especially when full-court pressure is applied. BYU's going to win a lot of games. That's the ingredients to going to Spokane and beating him again up there. <sighs> BYU's beat him three times uh, as a members of the WCC. Th- th- that's the formula. Can they do it? You know what? We'll all be watching because they might. <laughs> <laughs> and St. Mary's, as we said earlier, is coming to Provo, and the Gales are really – the Gales might be better than Gonzaga. They might be. They might be. Our question of the day Do you feel better or worse about BYU basketball after last night's loss? Again, right now I feel worse, but in two days I might feel better. might feel better. Yes, for sure. Need some time. (laughs) At Dal Smithy on Twitter says, better. Apart from Spokane, every other game is winnable after last night. I didn't feel that way two days ago. Okay, I can respect that. I think a lot of BYU fans looked at the Vegas line that had Gonzaga as a a six-and-a-half-point favorite and were like, what the heck is Vegas thinking? There's no way. BYU lost to LMU, and you know they they can't they can't do this to the number eight team. They had the number eight team on the ropes until literally nine seconds to play in the game. Vegas knows a lot of things. <laughs> 
And, and I know, for they sure. They knew it was going to be competitive, but even Vegas missed out on just how close this right. was going to be. So I think a lot of fans, yeah, for sure. There, there is hope. There is a moral victory element in this. Just hurts knowing what could have been. Atmosphere was awesome. Question is, can BYU fans bring that atmosphere 10, 12 times in a season? They can get up for Gonzaga. They get up for St. Mary's. But it's every night in the Big 12. <laughs> that kind of atmosphere could be there every night. Yeah. And you know, like, hey, can the team do that? Can the fans do that? Everyone's going to have to do that. Just say Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Houston, Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. I think the fans will show up for the at least for the first year. <laughs> <laughs> they might be exhausted we'll, by the end of the. We'll see what happens. End of the season. BYU's back to work tomorrow night. We'll see what kind of crowd shows up as Pepperdine comes to town. Game day starts at 8 Eastern on BYU TV. Tip time 9 Eastern with Blaine, Spencer, and myself. Should be a fun night at the Marriott Center as the Cougars look to bounce back. Dave was just talking about scoring points in football for BYU. A couple of guys who scored a lot of points, Jaron Hall and Puka Nakua, are headed to the Senior Bowl. We're going to talk to the executive director of the Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy. What are his thoughts on the three guys heading to Mobile? This is BYU Sports Nation. Talk a little football, thrown in with some NFL draft and projections that go into that. Welcome back to Studio B. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Dave McCann. This is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. We call it BYU Sports Nation. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to speak with the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl that's held in Mobile, Alabama. His name is Jim Nagy. This is the entirety of the conversation. We discuss all three BYU Cougars involved in the game, Jaron Hall, Puka Nakua, and Blake Freeland. Jim, what is this time of year like for you personally? Uh, it's a little crazy, uh, but that's a good thing, right? I mean, busy's busy's good because it's not just uh, it's not just the game that we put on down here. There's a lot of different events around around the week, I and mean, we've done that by design. We're trying to get more people to come to Mobile, so uh, we have an event Thursday night. We have a Mardi Gras parade on Friday. We've got a Nelly concert on Friday. We've got the game on Saturday. Obviously, all the practices during the week. So a little bit of a three ring circus, but uh, it's all good. We're we're looking forward to it. I've talked to several people and former athletes, specifically at BYU, that have been to the Senior Bowl and talked about Mobile. And Why did it end up there? What's the history behind Mobile, Alabama as the selection site for the Reese's Senior Bowl? Well, the first game was in Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, it didn't do well, from what I understand. This is back like in 1950. Um, and then a group of bankers from Mobile brought the game to Mobile that next year, and now we're going into our... 74th year overall or 73rd here in mobile so it's really you can imagine having it be here that long uh it's really become a part of our our community like the fabric of our community um they, our, our our community takes a lot of pride in it city of mobile takes a lot of pride in it um it gets you know our game brings more eyeballs to the state of alabama than any event um that happens in the state uh you know between our three practices on nfl network and espn and the game on nfl network um, so it's not just big for, you know, the local Gulf Coast community, which extends from like Pensacola, Florida to Biloxi, uh, Mississippi, but, but also just the entire state of Alabama. Great stuff. Jim Nagy is the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. He is on BYU Sports Nation. 
Walk me through the selection process when you are evaluating a player from day one to now we're extending an invitation to this guy. Yeah, the big goal um, five years ago when we got here was really legitimize the scouting process and our football operation. And um, as you can see behind me here, we we have we have tape in the office. We didn't have tape in the office when we got here. Um, so the the evaluation process goes all the way back to last February. Um, you know, once we get through the game cycle, uh, everyone from the office takes a couple weeks off just because we all need to recharge our batteries. Um, but we come back and we get moving on the next year's class. So. Uh, we watch junior tape on all these players from February through August. Um, and that's just different layers of, you know, our in-house staff, our, our scouting staff on the road. This year we had nine former NFL scouts. I mean, our whole scouting staff has NFL league experience. I think this year between our nine scouts, we had 170 years, 173 years of um, NFL experience on the staff. Wow. And then we're at games every Saturday and, and the guys are watching the tape during the week and submit reports and, uh, you know, we have a series of Zoom meetings, you know, trying to get our board set. And then once we do that, the final stage of the process is uh, incorporating the NFL and just using, you know, re leaning into my relationships um, from my 20 years in the NFL, just getting on with different GMs and personnel directors and really just comparing grades and comparing notes on the players. And, and again, this isn't about the senior bowl rosters. This is about the rosters for the NFL teams. We're trying to bring all the guys they want to see. So um, that final stage is really just to, to make sure we're bringing the right guys. Um, and then once that's done and we feel good about it, then the, the invites start going out uh, early November. Fantastic insight. You have invited three different BYU Cougars, quarterback Jaron Hall, wide receiver Puka Nakua, and offensive lineman Blake Freeland. So let's talk about all three of them, uh, starting with Jaron. What made Jaron such an attractive product for the Reese's Senior Bowl? Yeah, he, he was a pretty easy one. You know, we're going to bring six quarterbacks. Uh, he was easily one of the top six seniors this year. Uh, you know, I, again, I, I stay away from player comps. I think that's done a lot more in the media than it is in <laughs> NFL circles. Uh, you know, when I was when I was a scout in the league, you could you could scout 400 players in a fall and really only make comparisons on about 25 guys. So I'm not doing that that with Jaron here. Uh, but there is a little Russell Wilson to him in terms of his tools, and and I I was fortunate enough to be around Russ for for five years with my last job with the Seattle Seahawks. So just in terms of the body type. Um, you know, the mobility, the ability to move around and ad lib and then and then take deep shots. He's a good deep ball thrower, as BYU fans know. Um, you know, we had Drew Henson, the former Michigan quarterback and NFL quarterback, scouted that part of the country for us uh, this year. And Drew saw him play at South Florida. Drew lives in Tampa. So the, the game came right to him that that day. Um, I just remember Drew hitting me up from the field and uh, just really liked how the ball came off his hand. And um so he, he was an easy one. Jaron was an easy one. We're excited to get him. Puka Nakua was often the target of Jaron Hall for those big plays and deep throws. What do you like most about Puka Nakua? I think the, the biggest thing with him is his run after catch. He's an instinctive player. Uh, you know, you get the ball in his hands and certain guys just have a, you know, they've got a, they've got a really nice feel for angles and space and pursuit. Um, and Puka has that. So, you know, he doesn't jump off the tape, if you will, with like explosive speed or great short area quickness. But when he gets the ball, he just has a knack to him. Like he just knows where he knows where people are around him. Um, he knows not he knows he has a nice feel ability to create space for himself. So I would say that's the biggest thing. You know, the size and the run after catch, he's, he's going to be a really nice possession option. 
a guy that's going to move the chains and, and he's got more big playability than probably, you know, a lot of people give him credit for when you first start watching him, and then you get through all the targets and you're like, man, this guy makes a lot of big plays. So, um, you know, that, that combined with the catching skills, the guy can really catch the football. So, um, it'll be cool to have those two guys down here this week. Cause there'll be that, that, you know, obviously, um, great chemistry between those two guys. As far as draft projections go, maybe I saved the best for last here with this trio. Blake Freeland, I believe, is currently projected to be the highest draft pick of the trio. What do you think of Blake Freeland's game and how it will translate to the NFL and how he fits into the Senior Bowl? Yeah, Blake, you know, I, I think BYU fans know the background of him being a high school quarterback and tight end and some of the track stuff, the, ja- uh, the state champion dra- javelin, state record holder in the javelin, all that. Um, what sticks out on tape is body control. I would say the biggest thing, you know, he's a really tall guy. Um, I think we have a verified measurement from the scouts last spring, but you know, six, seven, six, eight, whatever Blake is. Usually those guys with the high center of gravity really struggle to, you know, um, control themselves in a short area when they're leveraging someone and and they've got a defender into them or they struggle um, with body control on the move and out in space. And that's not an issue for Blake at all, which is, which is really cool. That that's stuff you can't coach. So um, really high ceiling as an athlete, again, really limited, you know, relatively limited background on the offensive line. I think he's probably still learning how to be a truly big, big person. He's always been, a, it sounds like he's always been a tall person, but not necessarily a big person. So um, again, a, a really high ceiling. There's only, I'm looking at our board right now. There's only a handful of these guys, really like three or four guys in this year's class that are coming to our game that project as left tackles. Um, and Blake's one of those guys. So he'll rep on both sides. He'll rep at right tackle as well. I think it's beneficial for all these guys to move around a little bit and show the league um, what they can do. And uh, so, no, we're excited for Blake to have a good week. He's he's going to be tested. He's going to be really tested. It's a really good group of edge players this year. So those one-on-one pass rush, um, he'll be facing some people that he, he he didn't see during the fall. This this will be a really good prove-it week for him. Jim Nagy is the executive director of the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, is joining us on BYU Sports Nation. If you had to pin a round or a couple of rounds that each of these guys would go in where do you think they project right now and again we'll start with jaron and then go to puka and blake well i hate to do it man i hate to dodge your question but i i I like to stay away from that stuff that's not my job um that's for the draft analysts and those guys i mean these guys are our players so um that's more of a media thing i'll let those guys I, i mean we have our grades on them i don't like sharing those grades uh obviously if players ask me during the week where I think they'll go, I'll share that. But um, I just don't think it's right sitting in the chair that I'm sitting in um, to talk about where I think these guys are going to get drafted because it's the beginning of the process. You know, I think if, if we were having this conversation a year ago, Christian Watson from North Dakota State, who had a, had a great rookie year for the Green Bay Packers, yeah, um, he was a fourth or fifth round pick for almost every team in the league we spoke to, and he ended up going 34 overall. Um, Cole Strange was a small school guy from Tennessee Chattanooga, who is a fifth or sixth round pick and I'm going the first round of the Patriots. So it's really early in the process. Sorry to dodge your question. No, no. Um, but they've got so much opportunity between now and April to help themselves. Like it really doesn't even matter where they're at right now, because you know, you, you can help yourself a round or two. And in, in some cases, like the guys I just brought up, you know, four or five, four or five rounds. Yeah. I, I'm not even mad. I was so impressed with how you dodged that question. That, that was an extremely veteran move. But you did partially answer my next question, which is how much can a guy help themselves in the senior bowl and, and raising their draft stock? Yeah, I think for the small school guys the most, uh, right, just because their their concerns um, are more level of competition. So when, when the teams see those guys come down and do it against, 
the SEC and the Big Ten and, and, and folks like that, it, it, it can really help. Um, you know, but, but if, you know, for some of the big school guys, we've had guys like Terry McLaurin, you know, the Pro Bowl receiver for the Washington Commanders, came down here, um, you know, three or four years ago now and was a fifth or sixth round pick and, and left as a third round pick. So he probably jumped three full rounds and, and he ran fast at the combine too. I mean, it's all part of the process. So yeah, guys can help themselves out a bunch, but I would say in most cases, probably around a round or two. And then there's always those cases where, where guys might help themselves even a little more. Jim, I'm almost hesitant to bring this up because I feel like maybe there's a jinx involved here, and, and I hope this is not the case. But if a player opts out because of name image likeness or because they're talked back into going back to school, how do you handle that process? And is there a deadline where that can't even happen anymore? I don't like setting deadlines on anyone. No, and we, you know, we lost a kicker from Alabama uh, last week. Will Riker kind of got talked into going back to school. I don't know if there's any NIL money associated with that deal or not, but uh, no, they'll be evaluated, you know, for next year. You know, if they got the invite this year, it's because they played well. That does not guarantee them an invite um, next year. So that's that's the roll of the dice they have to make. Um, I certainly understand why guys, if guys feel like they need to go back, but. Um, yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna hold a grudge. We will we will reevaluate him, but we certainly won't hold a grudge. Do you fill that spot if the player leaves with somebody else, or is it just like, oh, we'll just handle it next year? No, we got we have to fill the spot. We got enough we got to have enough bodies to get through the week um, and, and through these practice reps. So yeah, we we fill those spots almost immediately. We just if I could flip the camera around, you could see the board over there. Um, we just go <laughs> next man up, just like an NFL team would when an when an injury happens. This is fascinating stuff uh, with Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. I've also heard from some players, they feel like, in a weird way, the practices are almost more important than the actual game. Where do you stand in that conversation? Um, I don't know. I don't know where. I, I mean, I've heard that. I've heard people say that. I've heard a lot of people in the media say that. But I know there's also a lot of guys that, help, that do help themselves in the game. I think the quarterbacks help themselves a ton. Yeah. I think Daniel Jones from the New York Giants. Um, Dave Gettleman, their former GM was down, stayed for the game that year. Most GMs don't stay for the games. We usually get 20 to 25 teams that will stay, but it's usually not the general manager. Um, and when they took Daniel Jones, he made the point. He's like, I fell in love with Daniel in the senior bowl game. So, um, but the practice week is big just because you see those guys compete. Um, you know, the one-on-one -on -one periods are huge because, you know, like in, in Blake's case, he'll take two reps back to back against the same rusher. And, uh, you know, there's going to be cases where he where he'll lose. And then you see what that next rep, rep looks like. So you really I mean, those are the things the NFL is looking for is, is the competitive makeup of these guys, how they take coaching on the field. Um, so, uh, again, I think yeah, I think you can help yourselves in, in both cases. But uh, but practice is certainly very important. Jim, we appreciate the time and the insight so much. We know how busy you are. So at some point, we wish you rest. Uh, but we're looking forward to a fantastic <laughs> event in uh, Mobile, Alabama. For BYU fans and college football fans that want to know more about the Senior Bowl and not just how to watch it, but how to really get involved, where can they go for more information? Yeah, I mean, for, for tickets or anything general on the game, SeniorBowl.com is the easiest. And then on Twitter, we have our, our Senior Bowl Twitter handle and then my personal Twitter account. Um, that's where you would have seen us following the BYU guys. We were posting videos. I think we saw BYU play live three times this fall. So we were posting videos of, of all three of those guys. Um, and Clark Barrington, I think we posted a video on him as well. Um, all the guys really were interested. If you follow through the fall, 
you'll have a pretty good idea of uh, who's going to end up with invites once we get to November and December. Great stuff. Give them a follow. Uh, Jim, once again, thanks for the time, and uh, we'll look forward to the game. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl with us on BYU Sports Nation. I wonder just how much Jaron Hall, Pukunakua, and Blake Freeland can help themselves at the Senior Bowl. Because I feel like people and scouts already know what those three guys are. I feel like BYU's been in enough big games and played in enough big stages that, that they know what they're getting with those three. But maybe, maybe they can go and help themselves a round or two. I'm most interested in Puka. Because he's not uh, statistically on the charts of the best receivers in the country in college football. Um, didn't make it through a whole season. Didn't make it through a whole season the year before. We know what he's capable of. What does that mean to an NFL investor? Jaron Hall's story is, is documented every week of the season. Um, and you kind of see where he's projected. Blake Freeland, we know, is going to be a second or third rounder. That's just where big, good linemen go in the top three rounds. But Puka's the wild card. That's why some of us thought, hey, maybe he'll come back to get another season, get a bigger body of work. But you look at his highlights that we showed there. They're spectacular. Like, okay, that's what he can do. So what can he do to help himself to start going, hey, you know what, I think he's a fourth rounder. I think he's a third rounder. Right now, someone say, what, what round do you think Puka's going to go to? I don't know. Because I don't see any lists saying Puka's going to go. He's not there. Yeah, if anything, I've seen a few projections that have him did you say late rounds? They don't even specify. Yeah. So sixth, seventh round. So can he go up here and make a name for himself? Yeah, he can help himself with some speed and agility. I mean, if he runs a nice shuttle drill and runs a nice 40, then now we're talking. Yeah, and that ties me into this event. Yeah. So, hey, how are these guys going to do? We remind you to listen tomorrow night. BYU Pepperdine on BYU Radio. Greg Rubel, Mark Durant, Jason Shepard, also on the BYU Radio app. They start out with pregame coverage at 8 Eastern. We always encourage you to listen a second to watching because we'll see you on BYU TV. <laughs> Do what's convenient for you is, is what we're getting. We have you covered from all We're links. here for you. The stars were out last night at the Marriott Center with Gonzaga and BYU, but which star would you have subbed in on the final play? By stars, I'm talking about guys that used to play that were watching this BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This is BYU Sports Nation. To interact with the show and get great content throughout the day, follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. I am Spencer Linton. He is Dave McCann. On a Friday, let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Reports are that BYU and Miami are canceling that home-and-home -home series in football in 2026 and 2028. You bummed about that? Oh, you mean with the real you? Yeah. You know, the one that is the symbol for a hurricane on a Michael Irvin map? You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. I, I was really looking forward to that series because of the history that BYU and Miami have and just yeah. the great memories of that 1990 game that launched Ty Detmer's Heisman campaign. Yeah, so I'm sad to see that one go, but I understand it 100%. Yeah, that was booked before the Big 12, and so that was like one of the marquee games, and now there's a bunch of other marquee games coming, so I'm okay. If it means that BYU plays Utah over Miami, I, I am always in favor of playing the rivalry game. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. unless it's like Clemson or 
somebody that BYU has never played in a place they've never been, which would be a cool experience for the fans. Like, yeah, I, I'd stick with Utah. Good choice. How many BYU Cougars will advance in the weekend of the NFL playoffs? We, we labeled them out, okay? Fred Warner is taking on Jerem Jordan Seahawks. The 49ers are red hot. Kyle Van Noy, Michael Davis with the Chargers at the Jaguars, and Kyrus Tonga playing for the Vikings against the Giants. How many of those guys are going to advance through Wild Card Weekend? I think they will all advance. And that's just not blue goggle stuff. Fred Warner and the 49ers have the best defense in the league. They're playing the Jaguars. Kyle Van Noy and, uh, and Michael Davis, they've got Herbert at quarterback. Okay. That should be enough. And the Vikings, they got Jefferson at receiver, and they got Kyrus disrupting on the defensive line. And I'm not sold on the Giants. Uh, yeah, I'm not either, especially in a road format. Yeah. The Giants got to go on the road to Minnesota. And Minnesota has been a weird team, but I think they're tough at home. So yes, uh, I don't trust uh, Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars in his first playoff game. Uh, I trust the Chargers more and the experience that they have over the younger Jags. And no one's beating the 49ers right now, certainly not the Seahawks in San Francisco. Let's go four for four. I'm with you. For the second time in as many games, Lauren Gustin out-rebounded the opponent by herself. Is that more impressive than having her double-doubles in every game but one this season? Gustin, 48 rebounds. San Diego, LMU combined, 45. <laughs> yes. That is more impressive than having double-doubles in every but one game. The body of work is incredible. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. Both are unbelievably impressive. Out-rebounding two teams by yourself in back-to-back -back games, that's more impressive. Imagine Gustin next year with those four-star shooters coming in. It's going be interesting. Amber Whiting's got a good thing working right now. It was a star-studded event in the Marriott Center in terms of elite fans on hand to watch Gonzaga and BYU. The Jazz and the Orlando Magic had players on hand with rooting interests for the Zags and BYU for sure. sure. Of any of the basketball players in attendance, and I'll li list them all for you, who would you have subbed in for the final possession for BYU? You've got Jalen Suggs, former Zag with the Magic, Paolo Banchero, former number one pick out of Duke with the Magic, Kelly Olynyk, a Gonzaga guy, right. playing for the Jazz, Colin Sexton, Bama great, playing for the Jazz, or Tyler Haas, Danny Ainge is also in the building. you got some nice options. If it's about how to get the ball inbounds, I'm going to take Olenek because I can just throw it up to him. And BYU doesn't have that kind of guy in the pressure of getting the ball okay. inbounds. Okay. But if it's for making the last shot, Danny Ainge. How do you argue against what he did in 1981 against Notre Dame, right? Now Suggs, you could argue Suggs, but I'm going to go Danny Ainge because of what he's done. And based in their prime, yeah. Okay, if you're go. taking Ainge, I'm going to take Colin Sexton okay. because he is an unbelievable elite attacker of the rim. You got nine seconds left. Give it to Colin Sexton. You're going to win the game. He did it a bunch of times at Alabama. Makes me wish Colin Sexton was on the team. <laughs> Up next, let's hear from Gideon George, who had some mature moments in a hard result last night. Really tough lesson. Spoke to them after the game. His thoughts on what went wrong on the final play. Stay with us. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station. We are live in Studio B. Gideon George. Man, he took some big shots last night and made some big shots, Dave. 17 points and a one-point loss to Gonzaga after the game. Nobody wants to do those interviews. No. 
but he was willing to do it. So for the next two minutes, here's Gideon George with a mature interview. Gideon, obviously this one stinks. Uh, you're in the game, you got the ball, uh, you're up four, lay under a minute. What, what happened? What went wrong in the last moments? Uh, it's not only the last moment, though. You know, um, coming in, we got like game plan, transition, defense, and rebounding. I think we didn't do that very well, and uh, we didn't rebound the ball very well. And um, transition defense, the first half, we gave up 12 points, which we're not supposed to do. So I think it built up to that as well. So it's not just the last minute play. So I think we didn't do what the coaches told us to do well. That's why. What was the play drawn up on the last possession of the game? Um, it's for Spence or Rudy to get a bucket. So and. I think they did great, so they run it to perfection, but we didn't get an open look, so I think we'll live with that. Where does this team go from here? How do you bounce back and, and move on after a tough loss like this? It's really hard, you know, it stinks, and you know, I don't know if I'll be able to get sleep tonight, but we got to come back tomorrow, it's a quick turnaround, and we got to come back tomorrow and get better. And I, I think I let the guys down tonight too as the senior on this team. I think I'll take that responsibility on myself and I got to rally the guys to go tomorrow and come get better because we got a, t a quick turnaround and we got um, Pepperdine at home on Saturday. Gideon, good luck against Pepperdine. We appreciate the time. As always, uh, these are not an easy interviews to do, so thanks for uh, taking some time with us. I appreciate you guys for having me. Thank you guys so much. You can hear it in the tenor of his voice. I mean, yeah. Like I said, just deflated, defeated, super upset. And I think, honestly, that's what BYU fans want to see. Yeah. And Gideon delivered because he feels it to the core, right? I loved his perspective, Dave. Uh, he looked at it from a whole game approach. Instead of just saying, like, it wasn't just the last minute. It wasn't just the last seconds and the last play. We didn't do a good enough job the whole game, transition defense. We gave up 12 easy points and then... Out-rebounded by 15. Yes. Gonzaga owned the glass against BYU, and that is something that BYU has taken a lot of pride in this year is that they rebound the ball well. They didn't do that against Gonzaga last night at a high enough level. And then he pointed out that Rudy and Spencer did what was drawn up. I mean, it just didn't work out. But again, going to the bigger perspective, uh, and he's taking more responsibility. Saying, as good as he was, I thought he played a fantastic game. Yeah. Say, I got to be better. I, I got to show up. I got to be better. I got to rebound better. I got to. I got to play better transition defense. And I, I like that. It's a crucial part of the season. Mark Pope's got his biggest challenge of the season, going from the best team in the league to the worst, uh, hosting Pepperdine tomorrow night, and getting these guys to come back out and fight with the same kind of intensity that they battled with last night. Okay, that's why you get the big bucks. That's why yes. you're the head coach and your staff. This is where we see what Mark Pope and his staff can do between today leading into that game tomorrow and how the players respond because they're bummed out. Everyone is. You had a shot at bringing down Gonzaga. Um, you fell short by a point, and now here comes the waves. Coach, player, did you learn from this? If you did, you pound Pepperdine, you head out on the road next week going, hey, we took, the, we took the best team in the league to the limit. That's what we'll see on BYU TV tomorrow night, how it's going to play out. You want the sting to go away and BYU to finish in the top three in conference? Win the next three games. Yeah. 
And that's a big challenge. Pepperdine, San Francisco, Santa Clara. Two and then of those take a on swing at St. Mary's in front of another full house. Build some momentum coming into St. Mary's. Yeah. Our question of the day is this. Do you feel better or worse about BYU basketball, the state of Cougar Hoops, after last night's one-point loss to Gonzaga? Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from Spencer HJ on Twitter. Says, better. Should have won a game versus a top eight Gonzaga. Shows BYU can compete with the best teams in the country. Need to take the loss and learn from it and move on to the next one. Okay, so own it, but I guess understand that you were, you were right there with the top 10 team. And beat the Waves. Just and win the next on. three. Yeah. We'll all feel a lot better. Tonight, gymnastics is on BYU TV. It's the best of Utah meet. Starts at 9 Eastern time with Spencer and Mikhail Merkley on the call. On BYU TV and the BYU TV app, the Cougars, the Utes, the Aggies, and Southern Utah all tonight on BYU TV. You can see that viral Barbie girl routine from Rebecca Bean Ripley. It's uh, close, by the way, as we move back to fantasy basketball after last night. We'll recap that. Plus, one of our own at BYU TV proves he still has his A game in front of a big crowd. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Welcome back on a Friday. Let's update our fantasy basketball scores after the first two games of the season uh, of the weekend, I should say, last night for men uh, and women's basketball against Gonzaga and LMU. Jerem's got a one-point lead on me, Dave. One-point lead. Something about one point. I know. I know. And he's got Lauren Gustin on his team, so it's a tough hill to climb. I'm, I want you to know I'm cheering for you. Thank you. Thank you. No one should be Come winless. on! No one should be winless. Come on, Gideon and Spencer. Let's go. <laughs> let's get those things done. All right, today's Rise and Shout-Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. So Tyler Haas, during a timeout last night in front of a full house, went out there to shoot some free throws. He had to make as many as he could in 30 seconds. Each shot was worth 1000 bucks for the athletic department. He misses the first one. And then he makes 15 in a row. <laughs> I said, were you even looking at the basket as he came back for the post-game show? He goes, I got my zone and just threw him up there. It's like he's thrown it in the ocean. Yeah, come on. How much would we love to have Tyler Haas still on the roster as a clutch shot maker? <laughs> All right, for Dave, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Michael Smith. We'll see you tonight for gymnastics at 9 Eastern right here on BYU TV. Go Cougs.